Hello everyone and welcome to Switch It. First up, an apology. A couple of weeks ago we might have given the impression that England were runaway favourites to hand out a thrashing in the ODIs against West Indies. We now realise that this was an error. England have repeatedly shown a capacity to self-destruct when there is the merest hint that they are not batting on a road, and we should have known better. Yes, following a topsy-turvy series that featured more sixes than your average game of Yahtzee, England and West Indies shared the spoils for a 2-2 draw, with the third match in Grenada a washout. From breaking their record for a successful chase, to passing 400 for the fourth time in the last four years, to being nobbled for 113, England's series had more ups and downs than a trip to Alton Towers and ended with the cricketing equivalent of vomiting candy all over themselves. Brilliant, brutal, bonkers. It was everything but boring, Butch. It certainly was. Um, brilliant series. Uh, England going from the sublime to the ridiculous. We've, we've seen it often. Um, I called it that, that England... The, their biggest problem at the moment is having is turning in a disastrous performance in the midst of winning a series, winning a bilateral series. I did it against India came back to win that one 2-1, did it against Sri Lanka, the final match, they got ham- humped in uh, Colombo. Um, and so it was kind of the challenge in this series was to, to kind of, you know, to not do that, to play, to, to maybe even win the odd game when they're not scoring at, at seven, eight runs and over from the start to the finish. Um, but instead, they managed to put in two bad performances <laughs> in the space of four games. So, um, you know, not, not, not a great deal has changed. And if anything, the... Um, Particularly the guys who are kind of who are waiting on the sidelines of what might be, or, or what you would call England's strongest eleven, kind of had the odd chance to come in and kind of make a claim a claim for themselves and hadn't really done that either. So, um, all bets are open when it comes to England's final fifteen. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but but what an advertisement for the fifty-over game. I mean, it was a, it was a format that was that was dead less than ten years ago. Terrible. Terrible game, boring, no no interest whatsoever. Um, predictable, no interest, and it's gone from that to being the the sort of uh, the sort of contest or the sort of um, battle whereby um, only cricket fans could complain about how exciting it is. <laughs> so um, you know, it's, it, it was it was sensational, and um, you know, watching watching the West Indies come to life, watching their crowds come to life, um, watching England do England stuff. Was, uh, was compelling viewing. Ding dong, the uh, format's not dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as long as the pitch is, anyway. Um, England's failings will get to Miller, but again, we saw the stirring of something in, in the Caribbean. You would have been hard-pressed to say which team was ranked number one and which team uh, number nine going into the series. So true, and just just think, I mean, given given what's happened to the World Cup, what, what would have happened to West Indies? They had to go through the qualifying tournament in Zimbabwe to get to the World Cup. If it hadn't been for a shocking decision against Scotland, wasn't it? LBW, that they, yeah. That they they would have they would have been knocked out. And then out. the rain as well. And the rain as well. Mm-hmm. So so you know there's so many so many near misses. I mean Tim Wigmore's been teeing off about this on Twitter as you'd imagine, but <laughs> but he's got a point because you know the, the the margins in this format are much tighter than you think. And uh, you know we just saw England world number one um, got two pretty hefty hurry ups, and uh, <laughs> the second one in particular. Um, I mean that, but that was that was just what they do, isn't it? They 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 do find ways in between their extraordinary run of of three fifty four hundred scores. Uh, they find moments that they just trip over their feet. Um, you know, again, I think we'll come on to talking a little bit more about that in depth in a minute. But I I think that they're on the right track for the World Cup. I think they've got a strategy which is more than they've had for the, every World Cup since nineteen ninety two. Whether that means. Um, well, that means that strategy will end up with them winning. I don't know, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that, given the format of the World Cup, with with um, you know the ten teams all playing each and nine nine games in a row to get to the semi-finals, I find it hard to believe that with the way that they're going about their cricket at the moment, they're not going to get to the knockouts. And then it really depends on whether they get flat pitches. If the pitches are flat and they don't fall over their feet, I, I see England's strategy coming good but it doesn't mean they're not going to have a few moments along the way where they, they oh, do they, exactly they will they absolutely they will but, but I they'll only have to place Chris Gale once or maybe yeah. twice <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean they're, they're, they're England do know how to bowl Chris Gale into four I know that <laughs> uh, over, the, over the years over a long long period of time um, but yeah that, that, given the format England should make the, the semi-finals and then, and then you know you're, you're beholden to 
um, turning up and, and, and turning it on on the day, which is, I suppose, is the worrying thing, really, either semi-final or final, is that in, because England can go can veer so wildly um, between being, you know, omnipotent and um, impotent. Uh, <laughs> then uh, you know you, you, you correct can't usage have, of the word. Yeah. You, you, you can't um, you, you can't say with any certainty that they are they're their favourites to win it. I mean uh, the, the the gap or the difference between um, you know the West Indies who qualified and the number one side in the world is very very tiny. And in between you've got some fabulous teams in there. Um, you know India are a fabulous cricket team. Pakistan can beat anybody on their day. Um, New Zealand are very very good. Um, even Afga- Afghanistan, if Afghanistan get 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 the right get the right conditions, or you know, win win the odd toss and their bowlers go to work, they could beat anybody. I mean, this this is not the sort of this is not a World Cup where you can say, okay, these are going to be your four semi finalists, um, and Australia will win. You know, as it's been in the past. Or whatever. <laughs> um, it's it's up for grabs, and that anybody last point can win. It. Yeah, that last <laughs> absolutely right, absolutely. Although they are picking their, potentially their best player now in Glenn Maxwell, albeit batting him at number seven. But you know, leave them to it. They want to they want to twat around. That's entirely up to them. Well, we'll, we'll come on to all of that. Um, this seems a good time, however, to ca- to catch up with our man in the eye of the gale storm, George DeBell. Morning, George. Yeah. Quite a series we've just G'day. seen. A, a, a really good fun series. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely, and uh, I don't know how many series I've done out here, you know, Test or ODI or T20 or whatever, but uh, I saw something unique in the last couple of, ty- uh, couple of games, and that is uh, an English crowd completely outnumbered by locals uh, and very passionate and supportive locals. Uh, and I think that's a really, really good sign, and I can see uh, real promise in Caribbean cricket at the moment. Um, certainly, uh, uh, they've, they've won the test, and come back to level the, the one-day series, and, well, it was it was all about Chris Gale to a degree, I suppose, but with, with more than 100 sixes scored over the four completed matches, I'm keen to get your view on the virtues of outdoor press boxes. Yeah, I, I, I like them. I, I like them very much. I mean, it gets brutally hot but anyone who goes to a game knows that that can happen uh, did, did anyone catch a so six in their more... hat no no we're miles I mean no we didn't uh, <laughs> there's a bit of a a, 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 a roof uh, so you're fairly safe uh, but they're um, you feel so much more past the action uh, in an outdoor press box I, I would love every one of them to be open to be honest uh, and, and also um it reminds you a bit more what it's like for spectators, which is no bad thing for people, um, because they really put up with... If you're a spectator in England in particular, you have to be ready for every sort of climate, don't you? You have to be packed with all your your woolies, and, uh, and just in case you need your sun cream as well. You pretty much know what you're going to get here, which is very hot sun and a bit of rain as well, perhaps. But uh, it's no bad, things to, a bad thing to remember what the people who basically pay all our wages go through every day. No, indeed. Um, England were uh, were by turns very good with the bat, not so good, brilliant, and then terrible. Um, the bowling probably best described as mediocre throughout. Uh, with the World Cup looming, uh, how worried, uh, in your view, should Owen Morgan and Trevor Bayliss be? Well, I'm not sure it would do them any good to be worried, but there are areas that they need to work on. Um, look, I didn't think three weeks ago that Joffre Archer had much chance of making it into the World Cup squad. He now has an excellent chance. And the reason he has an excellent chance is because other players have underperformed. Uh, the bowling has been lacklustre and uh, ill-disciplined. I mean, you may have seen some of the stats I did in my piece about the number of Yorkers. The bowlers were expected to bowl Yorkers. The Yorker was a bit, uh, an effective delivery when it was bowled. And they didn't bowl very many. So um, they they, uh, they became a little bit flustered in the eye of the gale. And uh, uh, to be fair, it's quite hard not to be, I suspect. Uh, and I can see that it's natural not to want to pitch the ball up for a man who hits it that far and that hard. But, uh, you know, who said it was easy? And uh, they, they, they let themselves down a wee bit there, I think. Uh, to, be, to be hit for a six every eight balls by a batsman throughout a series is a pretty damning indictment. And we know that some of these pitches are pretty flat. Uh, and we know that uh, going the distance is inevitable on 
the, the odd day. But for it to happen so consistently across the series is a concern. And there are two or three things that uh, England really need to work on. I, I, I don't think that the batting uh, is going to change at this stage. England are not going to be suddenly become a, a particularly good, adaptable batting unit. What they are going to be is devastating on the sort of flat wickets we expect. Throughout the World Cup, if they come up against on the odd bad one, then they will either have to adapt or they'll lose. If they come up on a, on a tricky pitch in a knockout game, as they have done in the last two global tournaments in England, then they might be in a bit of trouble. The bowling, I mean, it's, uh, it, we know it's never been their strongest suit. Uh, I think I've been comparing them to Newcastle United, haven't I? Uh, <laughs> they haven't got much of a defence, but they've got such an attack, they'll back themselves to score one more than the opposition. That, that, uh, that I, went well for Newcastle from memory. Well, uh, <laughs> they didn't win, did they? Kevin Keegan could be yeah. the man to lift the World Cup for England. Yes. Um, it, it, yes, it, it was. Uh, they probably should have won, though, shouldn't they? they had, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that is one of the worries. I mean, the, the other issue is, are we suggesting that only winning the World Cup is enough for England to justify everything they've aimed to do in the last four years? Uh, that is quite binary, isn't it? Uh, I, I think they have to have a very good World Cup campaign. Whether they have to win it or not, I don't know. Well, that is uh, you've, you've given them you've given them a way out already. Um, that's uh, too easy, George. Um, you, you've mentioned. Well, maybe, well, here's the thing: I, I <laughs> if they have a, if they lose in the final of the World Cup and they're beaten by, say, Virat Kohli playing a great innings, and, and you know that could really happen, couldn't it? Well, then does that make everything that's happened in the last four years a waste of time? I mean, does it mean that they haven't played thrilling cricket? Does it mean they haven't been a lot of fun? Does it mean they haven't been probably the most entertaining, best England ODI sides of both our lifetimes? Well, no, it probably doesn't, does it? So, I, 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 I don't know. I, they, they need to win. They need to have a really good campaign. But it's never all about winning and losing and in a knockout game with some of the players they're going to come up against you know you just have to accept that they can have great days and if Virat Kohli is on and India are chasing well good luck bowlers it, it would be quite good if, if that did happen and then Trevor Bayliss sort of strode out at um, Lords and Russell Crowe style just spread his arms and said were you not entertained and you know headed off to get ready for the Ashes I think that's quite unlikely <laughs> I think he's more likely to to go, oh, look, oh, yeah, little fellas did the best, oh, yeah, tough cup, right? <laughs> but, you know, if he goes the Russell Crowe way, that'll be a lot of fun. In, yeah, indeed. And, he um, could equally say we flipping murdered them, <laughs> didn't he? Uh, but that seems unlikely too. He's not that guy. No, no, and pro- probably for the best. Um, well, one, certainly one uh, man who was having fun over the past uh, sort of 10 days or so, um, Chris Gale, uh, we saw his... Um, his new celebration, the, the helmet on the bat handle, several times. Of course, he could have been out for, was it nine or uh, very few in the first match of the series? Uh, and things might, a be, massive miss. might have been very different, I suppose. But what, what was this the last that, that people of the Caribbean will see of Gale? He sort of hinted at unretirement. Was this the sort of Shahid Afridi uh, style retirement, or do you think that is it? Well, he's only talking about. ODI retirement, we should say that. Um, I do actually think it'll probably be it, yes, because I, I think it's pretty obvious the body is creaking. Um, I've seen a fair bit of Gale for, for one reason or another in the last couple of weeks. I wasn't sure I particularly wanted to like him. He has got charm. Uh, one-to-one, he really does have a bit of charm. <laughs> and he's got this quite engaging, high-pitched laugh, which <laughs> yes. uh, is both unlikely and very natural and yes. quite contagious. Um, he's not as immodest uh, when the camera's not on him as he sounds. You know, this whole, you're looking at greatness thing, which he said. <laughs> uh, it's all, it, he's a pantomime figure in, in those ways. And I do think if Jason Roy had caught him, for nine, as you say, after a terrible innings, really. Uh, the pressure would have been on him. The doubts would have crept in. Uh, uh, who knows what might have happened next, but I, I think this series could have been very different. As it was, he has reminded himself how much he loved it, 
how much it means to him and how good he can be. So it's the best I've seen him play, to be honest. Uh, I know he says he's played better once or twice, but I, I haven't seen him play better. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Do I think he'll retire? I do, because uh, I think it's taking an awful lot out of him. And actually, there's not that much money in the ODI game. And it would make a lot of sense for West Indies to rebuild after the World Cup. However they do, I think. Uh, and, they, and they do have other options. So uh, it probably is the end, but I think you'll probably see him play in the 100. I mean, I think you know what I think. I think the 100 will be full of... Um, uh, a 3D type so I wouldn't be surprised if it was full of Brendan McCullum as well and, uh, and players who are either been dropped retired or not quite made it because every country in the world is playing an international series during the first season of the 100 first two seasons actually um, West Indies are playing in the CCL as well so he might be unavailable um, you know, I, I could see that being a, a hodgepodge of uh, recently retired players and also rams but we'll see what, what could possibly go wrong it's not like the future of the game is resting on that uh, that tournament <laughs> uh, yeah it's not like it's a 200 million pound gamble mm. you know what they could have donkey sanctuaries in norfolk again they would have loved that money <laughs> um well thanks very much george on, on that note um you, you've got a bombshell you've got yeah indeed well save the donkeys and all that um you've got a t20 coming up uh, in St Lucia, out another the outdoor press box again. So perhaps um, if you, if not a hard hat, make sure you've got sun cream in. Absolutely, loads of sun cream. You're quite right. Good stuff. Thanks very much. Cheers. See you soon. Butch, I'll ask the same question I put to George. Um, with six more ODIs before the World Cup campaign uh, for England starts on May the thirtieth, um, should uh, fans be getting nervous? <laughs> nervous about what? Um, <laughs> and, uh, nervously excited, I think, and I hope um, it's uh, you know it's a great opportunity for for the sport, let alone um, an opportunity for England to win to win a World Cup for the first time. But it's a uh, you know I, I go back to the idea that the format has suddenly has had new life breathed into it. Um, you know, some people still don't like it. <laughs> still aren't satisfied. They're not happy to see batsmen score lots of runs and, and exciting run chases and stuff. That's you know, that's up to them. Um, quite frankly, bowlers usually. Is it? Well, <laughs> no, but, see, but the thing is, the bowl, bowlers. You know, who won the game in the end in that four hundred place four hundred? It was Adil Rashid. It was a bowler. The bowler is still the most important man on the. Park. And Mark Wood as well. Four, yeah, four, four, three, four, four for four sixty. For, and yeah, exactly. The numbers. Bit numbers, expensive. The but. numbers in the in the column, but that's but just forget that. That's irrelevant. It's it's taking wickets. It's still the most valuable currency in the game. And so I, I don't buy this whole thing that the bowlers are completely irrelevant. They are the, they're more relevant than they've ever been. Um, because, you, because in order to win a game like that, somebody has to be able to unlock a batting lineup. Somebody has to cause a collapse to happen. Somebody has to, do, um, you know, to change the course of the ball disappearing out of the park. And therefore, they are the most important people on the field. Uh, so again, you know, I, I disagree. It's very rare I disagree with my old mate um, Mike Atherton, apart from when we were running between the wickets together. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of his his piece about the game needing a, a better balance between bat and ball. I don't buy what I, what I do buy is that the game and it was somebody somebody on Twitter um, uh, put this up and I, I apologise I can't remember his name but he says you don't need a balance between bat and ball in, in ODIs or T20s you need a balance between the teams if the teams are well matched and you get a brilliant contest then it doesn't matter whether it's the bat or the ball that dominates as long as you get an exciting mm. game and if you tell me that anybody that left the ground um, in Grenada that hadn't had the greatest night of, of cricket that they'd ever watched and then you know if, if anybody preferred the game after in St Lucia if they had a better time at that one you know I'd be very very surprised because um, you know in terms of entertainment in terms of spectacle in terms of having water cooler moments for people talking about the game the next day they had it it had it all yeah um, I mean I mean, it, it's so true though I mean if you look at those figures and um, Rashid's figures were what they were five for 85 yeah, the most, the most expensive, expensive five most expensive yeah. five forever but, yeah. but you know the, but the won point the game. But he won the game because in 50 over cricket, which again is, is the where it was falling down in, in the dog years in the early 2000s when it was obviously tests and T20s were coming in and, and it looked like if you're going to have to lose a format, 50 over cricket was the one to lose. Mm. But in this format, we've suddenly reached this position whereby you can have a, a batsman such as Chris Gale going 
absolutely mad, but can he go mad long enough to last 50 overs? In a, in, in a 20 over game, sure, he could, he could have smashed it forever. In a 50 over game, the dynamics changed. There was a, there was a drinks break. He came back on. He, he, ate, he lost, his mo- lost his rhythm momentarily, and suddenly the moment changes. And that's because the bowlers had a chance to regroup. The bowlers have a chance to come back in a different spell and be a different type of bowler. Whereas, you know, you got your four overs in T20 and that's it. Ten overs is a long time for a bowler mm. to, to be one man in one spell and be a completely different man in a different spell. And, and yeah, you're quite right. It was, it was fascinating, and it, and and it's fascinating because of the way that the format sort of borrows from from both of yeah. both its big brother and its little brother. Yeah, to agree this absolutely. Day. I mean, the, the, that was somebody asked again. I was asked a question about it about what. Um, you know what's what's changed for fifty over cricket? Why are these big scores happening? It's, well, it's T Twenty basically. Um, the, the 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 essence of it is this: uh, in terms of what's changed for for batsmen, for batsmen they've understood or they've realised that the potential for run scoring and, and risk taking is so much greater than they ever believed it was before. Forget the stuff about the equipment. Forget the stuff about the size of the grounds because largely that that hasn't changed a great deal. Although the boundaries could do with going back a bit. But health and safety won't allow it. So we'll, we'll forget that for a minute. So, so a batsman's remit, his entire his entire purpose has changed dramatically mm. from what it was um, pre T Twenty days, and pro- from what it was pre two thousand and ten, maybe even. But for a bowler, his job remains essentially exactly the same as it's always done, which is to take wickets, contain. Right? There's no the parameters haven't shifted for bowlers at Just all. Containment is relative. <laughs> it's become very exactly. You know there isn't there isn't anything anything different you, you can do in terms of your job description as a bowler. As a batsman, the job description has changed immeasurably. It's kind of like if you're not scoring a run a ball, that's not fast enough. You know that and that that shift is enormous. I was just, I did the the thing with Viv Richards back in um, back in February last year, and doing research for him whatever. His I realised that his strike rate. For fifty over cricket, or for because it wasn't always fifty, was it? For sort of yes, one day uh, cricket, fifty-five and sixty, yeah, and but was, yeah, was ninety ninety-two or ninety-three or something like that, right? The nearest person to him was Dean Jones, whose strike rate was seventy-three. Yeah. Right, he's not getting a game <laughs> at seventy-three now. You know that 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 shift is just so huge, it's so mind-bogglingly big. Now even Viv was a bit of a slouch at ninety-something, but what an outlier he was then, you know. And, then, and, now, and now you've got Joe Root is. Probably exactly. near now ninety. You've got in England's team alone. You'd have you'd have five or six players whose strike rate is ninety and above, a hundred and above, and in some cases one hundred and ten and above. That's what's changed. Um, the, the idea um, of what can of what you can do, of how far you can push it in terms of being a batsman. There is nothing more you can do as a bowler. Than try to contain and try to yeah. take wickets. I mean, it's extraordinary. You, isn't your it? job description cannot change. Run it's isn't it? it seems an awfully long time ago that we were we were saying that the the, the Achilles heel of, of West Indies is that Chris Gale doesn't score fast enough between mm. the sixes. I mean, by the end of the series, that wow. that, that, that didn't matter because yeah. obviously he played himself <laughs> in effectively over the course of the entire series. So, yeah. so he, by that he, point, again, I mean, he was the shift it. the shift between him in the first game and the and, and the second game was huge. I think I, I wonder whether or not there'd been a conversation in the in the dressing room. The West Indies sort of saying that you know we, we've we've scored a lot of runs there, but our strike rates just weren't high enough. We probably if, if England had, had batted or if, you know if Josh Butler had faced what was it, 129 balls that Chris faced for 135 in that first game, Josh would have had 200, mm. and they would have scored 400, and, and England would have scored 400 and plenty, and therefore you know the game would have been you know West Indies would have won that first match. So Chris comes out in the next game, doesn't do his usual. I'm going to stand on sort of leg stump, let everything go past. Block, block the crap out of it for 20, 20, 30 balls and then try and hit it. He just went from ball one and then carried on, carried on doing it for the rest of the series. So, you know, even an old dog can, uh, can, can learn new tricks. Um, well, uh, both teams pulled the pin in Grenada. Um, <laughs> this was, there, there were some, <laughs> some interesting rhythms within the series. Um, uh, however, um, England chased 3-6-1, uh, pretty much a canter, yeah. and then failed to chase 2-90, uh, in Barbados, obviously they had one of their periodic shockers <laughs> at the end. Um, but but was it that second match, um, Miller, in which it was a collapse at the end of, of the run chase that was perhaps more worrying? Yeah, probably, probably a I mean, game that they should have won or looked like they were going to win. You know, absolutely. deep into the game. I mean, it really came down to one false stroke from Ben Stokes. He 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 gave it away too soon, and suddenly there was the opening, and it was the house of cards came in. And and again, it was it was the the pitch wasn't as dramatically. 
unconventional on that day as it was in in the final match, which obviously was clearly leaping off a good length, consistent leap, but it was it was un, uncomfortable bounce. It was this was just a little bit little bit more dramatic than England were used to when with their nice clean hitting through the line, and they didn't adapt. And this is the one thing that um, that Bayliss keeps banging on about every time every time he's wheeled out to to justify another. England cock-up, intermittent cock-up, but a cock-up nonetheless. He says, we just don't learn. And, you know, part of me wonders whether they're stubbornly saying we're not going to learn because we are just viewing these as anomalies. We don't, we don't want to tap into, don't want to unsettle our mindset here. We, we want to be utterly positive, want to be going for every stroke. We don't want to have, we don't want to be second-guessing ourselves at any stage. I tell you what was, what was interesting in the, in the run chase and the first loss um, was that for the first time in a long time, England's sort of vaunted lower order didn't didn't bail them out. It didn't mm-hmm. bail them out in the Test matches. It didn't bail them out in uh, you know in the, in that run chase. So the likes of um, Moeen and, and Wokes, um, Rashid to a to a lesser extent, uh, Plunkett, all of these guys who have, have kind of come in and just the, the reason that they've been able to get away with with the way that the, the, the top order have played is because the lower order scoring runs as well. Those guys have not scored a run for quite a long time now. Mm. Um, which you know, which might actually be something which is a little bit more normal. You know, it's abnormal for for, <laughs> for, for players from um, from seven and down to just come in and score at the same rate as the guys up the order to you know to take on the pressure of run chases and win new games. I mean, the only other time that it, that it, I don't remember them uh, doing it was was the, the loss against Scotland actually when you know when Mo threw it away at the back end there. Yeah. Now the the pressure of of, of those sort of run chases on the lower order should be. Um, crushingly difficult to overcome, and and it's proven to be that for England. All of a sudden, they've looked vulnerable in an area where before they haven't had a problem. So you know, th- there there is something to, to perhaps think about that um, that maybe the top order can't afford to be quite as gung ho until they've got themselves right up to the to the back end of a run chase. Now you've got to take it into the final ten overs, as opposed to leaving them fifteen, the, the lower order fifteen overs to come in and do their thing. Because then you leave yourself open to getting bowled out. Mm. Um, you know, the fact that that hasn't happened to England quite a lot might be the one, you know, if you talk about wake-up calls, you know, it's good to lose your game, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Get it out of your But if you narrow it down, then, then perhaps there is an area where actually there is a little lesson for you. These guys aren't as impregnable as they've made themselves look. Um, you know, on the, on the bowling side of things, what have we learned? We haven't learned anything, really, other than the fact that, that we, are, we are as capable as anybody else of going... For seven, seven, six and a half, seven runs and over fifty overs, and that's always been the case. Um, I guess the thing that's been the, one thing. The though. thing that's been different has been that, that Rashid and, and Mo have taken wickets, and Plunkett have taken wickets in the middle. Again, in this series, they didn't. Mm. Well, no, one, cer- certainly not Moeen and, and yeah. Plunkett. Yeah. Um, Rashid. But one thing we have came out all right with his with his five for at the end of one the thing we have learned though Grenada. is that fit Mark Wood is straight into the team, mm. and that, that's one thing we we. We always assumed, well, way back was this, this, this sort of back when he was injured, essentially, or, mm. or, or if not injured, not f- fully fit again. There was always this assumption that Mark Wood is 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 the X factor we're lacking. But I think we kind of lost faith in that a little bit. Um, certainly, yeah, around, certainly, around, he did as well, mm. to be honest. And now suddenly, in St. Lucia, both in the Test and well, less so in this in this ODI, but in, in Grenada, yeah. you know, he's he's been mm. he's been he's been the difference. He has been. He has been rapid, uh, incisive. He's 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 rattled batsmen who are well set. He he will be invaluable if he's fit, and um, that's that's the one thing to. I mean, you know, we we gave um, Joe Root some criticism in the Test series for over bowling him and you know running through. I don't know what what uh, <laughs> Morgan uh, Morgan was, was playing yeah. with the other day with six overs in, on the trot for Wood in a completely dead cause. But uh, you know, yeah, and then what, Tom, Tom Curran got one ball to um, to push his case at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, just just to go back to the batting briefly, is there a sense? Um, the ch- in- chasing England have tended to be very reliable over the last yeah. three or four years. Mm-hmm. Batting first, it's a bit boom or bust. You know, with 400, uh, this series of microcosm, 400 one day in uh, in Grenada and then 113 the next mm. day in St Lucia. And does that reflect the, the difficulty of judging past scores as much well, as anything someone, in this yeah, Someone this may be crunching the numbers <laughs> as we speak on this. Well, I, yeah, I might have one or two uh, things up my sleeve. <laughs> oh, uh, I couldn't yeah. possibly reveal until my graphs are ready. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, bat- batting first. Teams uh, seem to be, in the way that in T20 they're a bit more reluctant to bat first mm. because you actually 
you know, you've then got to assess the conditions yourself. And in, and in England's case, they tend to just want to to put the foot down and and, and smash it everywhere. And, yeah. um and that doesn't always work. Although, it, it does you know, not. when it does, it's it's pretty spectacular. It does not always work. I mean, I, look, it's it's very difficult. Um, it's very very difficult to know what a what a par score is. But I think you you pretty much got to understand that it's got to be somewhere around the three hundred mark, isn't it? You kind of got to, you know, you you kind of work backwards or or, or further away from from there. Um, you know, it, it looks it looks a very it looks a different side without Jason Wright at the top of the order. Um, you know, whatever that hamstring injury was, mm. I'd love to have seen him bat on the on that quick bouncy one against the against the pace because I think that of, of any of England's sort of top order batsmen in in either format, um, he has a he has the sort of game that can cope with that as well as anybody. So it's a shame that he didn't get a chance to play in that one. Um, and I mean, I don't know. It's it's very difficult to say because how do you, how do you explain away? A, a three hundred and something run dis- difference in the over the course of three days, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, you know, oh, can, people were talking about, oh well, England haven't had the chance to get used to the conditions, or they've been undone on bouncy ones and things like that before. Well, yeah, absolutely. But that, but that, you know, the conditions are they're going to play Still. nine games over, <laughs> over the course, you know, in the, in the World Cup, different venues. You have to, but you if, have to adapt. But Everybody if England, if England do bat second in. In any of the important games of the World Cup, I I think they will win it because they they are in a position whereby you know if a team is good enough to put three fifty on the board, that in a weird way plays to England's strength because they they know that they can come out, trust the pitch, trust their natural game, trust the aggression that they have been mm. honing all this time, and win it. And if they get two hundred on the board, then England surely chasing will be able to change their mindset sufficiently and not throw it away and just dig in and, and get across the line. Because the, the way, I mean, I suppose the one anomaly that England have had in recent times, obviously the the um, uh, Champions Trophy semi final in the defeat in in Cardiff, almost that that if you recall the circumstances of that one, England actually did try to change their game because you remember Ben Stokes played an extraordinarily slow. Half century. He dug in. He he recognised that that uh, Hassan Ali was was bowling, howling in swing in swing Yorkers on an abrasive pitch, and realised, whoa, this is not what we're used to. He tried to get a score on the board in two eleven, I think it was, and and, and, and ba- they did bat pretty much the, the overs. Bat the overs, yeah. and as Baylor said only the other day in St Lucia, if England got two hundred on the board on that pitch, mm. they'd have been in the game. So England got themselves in the game. It just so happened that Fakir Zaman wasn't it, who <laughs> came in and smoked them, regardless. Yes. Um, you know. So I, th- I wonder whether that that defeat, you know, it, 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 you <clears throat> criticise England for a lack of a- adaptability, but on on that occasion they were just outplayed on in by 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 a team better versed to those conditions. Whereas well, that's not something that's going to happen very often. No, but and if you, the thing is, if you're going to win the tournament, you're going to have to win it in all sorts of different ways, aren't you? It's no good saying relying on on winning every toss and chasing three fifty every time. Um, you know, the, there are there are going to be lots and lots of different scenarios, lots and lots of different conditions. The weather might play a part. Who knows what can happen uh, along that period of time? And I think that I think the players, I think the team are more than aware of that. I really do. Um, but, um, I, but I also think that you know a come down. I suppose a come down over a two or three day period between scoring four hundred and whatever and that game to then you know to finding themselves in slightly different they kind of got a little bit carried away and, and before before they knew it, it was too late to do anything about it um so a lesson a lesson that hopefully will have been learnt um and um you know i i i, I don't know lots of people are getting very up, upset about the way that they played in that game it can happen you'd like it not to um <laughs> but it, but it can happen yeah um, and morgan would uh, doubtless point to the fact that england have won in New Zealand, Australia, yeah. Bangladesh, um, they've beaten India at home. Uh, I think pretty te- much all comers in their own conditions. Tendency which, which be, has been, because we've be been in. so good, is to forget that being the away side, you kind of, the home team is allowed to play well. You know, mm. and it, um, but what do you think uh, of the suggestion, uh, Miller, that, that, that the team may have already peaked? Um, there is, you know, we've already discussed on the pod, questions about sort of Liam Plunkett's pace, um, Chris Wokes is managing a, a knee injury. Mm. Johnny Bairstow appears to be I, I in a form slump. Moeen Ali um, hasn't hasn't I've, well, I've didn't score so, a run, I've didn't been, take a wicket in that. I've been series. making the. I mean, making uh, Alex the Hales didn't yeah. make his mark when he came in. Um, I've been making the comparison for for a few months now with with England's uh, World Cup squad in two thousand three. That 
Rugby. Rugby, rugby 2003, exactly. Yeah, not, not, not cricket <laughs> by any stretch of the That wouldn't be a good comparison. Although 2003 was World Cup squad was one of the one of England's better. You forget that there was... Uh, there were, there was if they, they hadn't forfeited those points. In Indeed. The... Anyway, we'll, we digress. But no, the rugby <laughs> squad, you know, the, the absolute zenith of that rugby team was beating New Zealand in New Zealand the previous summer. And that, that, was, that was extraordinary. And they, they were absolutely... At the peak of their powers, and yes, they were they were waning. They, you know, Martin Johnson never played again. The, the, the team fell away with the remarkable speed after that World Cup win, but they got over the line, and that I think is is really what it's about for for this side. I think I think you're right. Plunkett is is a concern. I thought he bowled exceptionally well um, in 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 important circumstances. In Grenada, he, mm-hmm. he was he was he was one of the main differences, but. You know there is there is a, there are doubts about his his fitness. Obviously, he missed the final game with a niggle. His his pace has been down. This mm-hmm. is un, undoubtable. Um, again, you, 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 all the guys you mentioned, there are there are there are certain Johnny Bairstow's form is not where it was twelve months ago. Mm. There are concerns, it's, but it's, it's been it's not, a, it has been a it's been a long old winter for some of those boys. So yeah. I mean, it, it, again, on the road. It's it's difficult to kind of it's difficult to, to understate how difficult how hard it can be to keep your standards up for, for, for that length of time, um, and that you know perhaps a little bit of a break, English conditions at the start you know sort of a, a slightly more familiar start to the season, a bit of a chance to recharge, and they'll be I'm sure they'll be fit and firing again because you know with the exception of, of Liam Plunkett at 34, the rest of the guys are, still, are, are massively in their prime. You know they've got some of them have got their best years ahead of them still. So I don't, you know, I don't necessarily see it as, a, as an issue for for the English side. What I do, what I do think is, is they're going to have they've got some big calls to make about the about who makes the fifteen in the end. And the guys, the guys who are in trouble, you know, I, I kind of I've, I've sort of been singling out Liam Plunkett on this, but simply because he's so important. The role that he plays and the role that he's played in England being the best side in the world has been so vital and so Wickets pivotal. Wickets in the middle overs, precisely. Yeah. So that if if he is if he is less than that. And if he isn't able to deliver um, that for for Owen Morgan and for the team, then then England are losing something huge, mm. which is why I kind of which is why I, I pick him out. Um, and you know, I don't think there's no chance he won't make the 15. You know, there's no chance that Joffrey Archer is going to come in and knock him out of the 15. What I'm saying is that Joffrey Archer might find his way into the 15 at the expense of you know, say Tom Curran or maybe David Willey. Although again, I'd be I'd be more than happy to see Willey in it because I think we need to have a left arm option. Um, and then when it comes down to picking an eleven, that if Archer is is flying and doing all the things that a that a that a younger Plunkett might have done, then Liam Plunkett's slot in the eleven becomes becomes under under threat. And you're right, he he bowled magnificently in the in the run fest um, in Grenada. And he probably um, should have had Gale out. We should have had Gale out yeah, at the start abso- of the series. No, absolutely. When, uh, and so his experience of that role is is in, is absolutely vital. But then he he couldn't play the next game. You know, and th- these are all these are all things that happen to a 34-year-old body. You know, you kind of. Uh, you, and, and Chris Wokes I mean, was obviously left out back-to-back games. Yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't see we didn't see David Willey at all. We didn't see Joe Denley at all. No. Um, well, I mean, so if you're, look, if you're looking to get Joffrey Archer in, that's another, as it seems England clearly are now. Yeah, but Joe Denley Joe Denley's role is was a slightly strange one. They've already got the spare batsman in Alex Hales, right? The world backup rec- to the backup. World record holder can't can't get inside, so he's kind of the the spare batter um, in the 15. Then you've got England will as much as possible play both spinners because they can. They, they can play six bowlers. They can play two spinners. They can have something for all conditions in every single game. But if something were to happen to one of, of Moeen Ali or, or Adil Rashid, um, then you know England would like to keep that template. I'm sure, which is why the Joe Denley position, which will probably be taken up by somebody like Liam Dawson, mm. um, is one that I think stays safe from from Archer from Archerism. So it's it's one of. It's one of um, Willie, who, as you said, hasn't, didn't didn't make an appearance. David Willie, um, who you know his, his his strength in the side or the thing that he brings to the team, obviously apart from being left arm, is that in swinging conditions at home, he is he has um, more often than not knocked over two or three wickets in the first power play. He doesn't bowl again, doesn't have to because his job has been done. Um, and that is that. That's where his use comes in. Tom Curran is more utility because they use him at the death. They won't use him necessarily with the new ball or or much during the middle. So that there is a role that he plays, but he's not. He doesn't have a, a sort of a, a, a pivotal part to play in it. Um, which leaves the still quite you know young yeah, international which, career which for him. Probably as well, when yeah. you look at it, when it comes down to the final fifteen, if Archer's going to come in, it will probably be Tom Curran that gives way. 
um, for the 15. And then, you know, and then Archer then battles it out with, with Plunkett or maybe, you know, maybe even he can b replace Chris Wokes if the knee's no good or whatever. Because the great thing about Joffrey Archer is, is that he can bowl new ball, middle overs, death. Um, and lots of the other guys only have two out of the three. And in some cases in David Willey, only have one out of the three in their favour, um, i.e. needing the new ball. I mean, it reminds me in, in in many ways, obviously very different in many ways as well, but the, the conundrum England had going into 2005 Ashes with Kevin Peterson, who was obviously a guy who was coming from outside the bubble. Were they going to disrupt the team? Obviously, mm. Butch knows all about this. Were they going to disrupt the team that had taken them so far to, to get to, to, the, to the brink of readiness for the biggest challenge they ever faced? And ultimately, when it came to came to push push came to shove, it's like we can't not play this guy. Mm. And I honestly think they're in a position now with Archer. We can't not play this guy. They, he's going to he's going to, by all accounts, make his debut sometime during the Ireland or Pakistan mm. ODIs. Yeah, he's I would available post March the seventeenth. Exactly. So so they've got to name their provisional squad on uh, uh, April the twenty third. They've got to confirm their squad by May twenty second. By which stage they'll have played um, six games and. Mm. He will have featured in those, surely. I will imagine he will have featured sufficiently to make himself a really good case. And I think England would be... Would be I think it would be ludicrous short-sightedness for England not to include him, no, to be mate, perfectly I, honest. I couldn't agree more. I, mean, I, I really couldn't agree more. Um, and, and there is room, I'm, as, I've, as I've laid out, there is, there is room for him to get into that 15. And then, you know, and then it's up to, up to them and up to... Joffre and what he does in those those matches he plays as to whether guys feel comfortable enough to throw him straight into the 11. Well, indeed, um, a few more numbers just to underline this um, chat on the on the ODIs. Um, this was the third highest overall run rate in a series of three matches or more, uh, behind uh, New Zealand in England uh, 2015, of course, a series which is sort of the catalyst for for everything that's come since, uh, and England in India. A couple of mm, years ago, the, la the last time they lost mm. a, a bilateral uh, ODI series, uh, 103 sixes hit uh, behind only India Australia in 2013-14 when it was 107. That was a um, seven match series, was it? A uh, six match six that match one, match yeah. Then. Chris Gale hit 39 of them <laughs> on his own, of course, <laughs> uh, one for every year on the planet. <laughs> and how many were hit out of the ground? You know, CWI uh, <laughs> isn't flush with money, but you know, having to replace <laughs> a ball every. <laughs> Every sort of five or ten overs. Expensive though, as well. Um, and now we come on to three T20s and, and the end of England's uh, winter touring commitments, uh, or at least uh, ten days off before the IPL starts. Mm. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit, of a, a bit of a shame, really, that the tour isn't finished. <laughs> yes. Well, when you put it like that, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the, the T20s. Where, where are, can you go? Are, from, yeah, from here, where do you yeah. go from that? I think the series was absolutely sensational. The tests were, were brilliant and. Um, the uh, you know the, the the four four matches of the one day international series were superb. I think everyone's probably had their their value. The T twenties are they are what they are. It's just you know make a few more I mean, quid for the coffers. There's no, a there's lovely no place, point to them, is it? A lovely place to be, but yeah, it has been yeah. the longest tour outside of an Ashes tour that I can mm. recall in 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 living memory. It's mm. like every format and, and not even a break between, which sometimes mm. what England do they go out then come home then go out again. Yeah. It's been straight on through for. Uh, three pointless T20s, but I'm sure they'll be fun. <laughs> oh, and um, seemingly Jason Holder to captain for the Windies, which uh, uh, might be news to Carl Sprathwaite. Well, indeed. It's a, it's a fascinating one. We were just running his numbers before this. He's only played about eight, uh, eight T20s and got, got next to no wickets. He hasn't played a T20 for nearly two International years. International, this is. International, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I can see the logic. I, I, you know, once again, it's, a, it's, a, it's an example of CWI doing a bit of joined-up thinking. They, they thought long and hard about how to maximise their resources during the test series and produce good pitches that that played to their strengths. And they're again, they're trying to trying to maximise their their, their their nascent advantage here, where whereby they've got a, a, a leader who's inspiring and a team that's yeah. on the rise, and they want to keep the keep the squad together. I, I can see the logic. Yeah, that's the reason, isn't it? That's got to be it. They, you know, the, the team, the team clearly play for Jason Holder, um, and uh, keeping him in the dressing room, keeping the unit together as much as possible. Um, there will be uh, there will be one or two coming in from outside of the fifty over in Test match squad, I'm sure, for the West Indies. But yeah, I mean that that's that's entirely the reason, isn't it? Yeah. We've got a man here who, um, who who is running the dressing room, and people are playing for him. We want to keep him in there. 
Well, more Jason Holder uh, can't be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, does, it, does, it does lend itself to, to Butch's point about the value of T20 internationals. I mean, it, it, it does feel like a digression all of a sudden. I mean, if, you know, if, there, if a T20 World Cup was coming up in, in, in May, June, July, then, mm. then maybe this would, be, this would be a humdinger. But actually, it feels like a, feels like a weird digression. Coming all, over all Trevor Bayliss here. <laughs> Abolish them. <laughs> well, um, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with Trevor on that. <laughs> I really do. I mean, just Outside of World Cups, I just do not see the point. Leave it to the... Leave it to the counties, clubs, franchises, whatever you want to call them. Well, three, three T20s to come, folks. <laughs> look, look, we're looking forward to them here. Um, elsewhere, a couple of other bits just to, just to touch on before we wrap up, really. Um, England's women found some form in India. Miller, um, a tough tour started uh, with consecutive defeats, but Catherine Brunt claimed a five for uh, in the third ODI, and they've taken a 1 0 lead in the T20 today. But um, perhaps more importantly, they've been given their rightful place on the Lord's Honours Board. Yeah, fascinating little, little tale. This. Uh, obviously, uh, I, I guess, uh, largely prompted by the glorious success at the. Uh, at the World Cup a couple of years ago, obviously Anya Shrubsoul got, got her got her uh, six for to win the win the win the game, and clearly the the, the honours boards had no place to 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 put such prominence. They, so don't, they don't have the they don't have one day international things on there for the men, do they? The well, they do now. They do now. They do now. Yeah, so, yeah. Right. Okay. So yeah. a few few players uh, have made it on that yeah. hadn't otherwise. Ricky yeah, Ponting yeah, yeah. and uh, Athers is on there yeah. now. For his, but no Tendulkar. I think. Tendulkar well, he gets still five for bowling leggies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he smashed. smashed he, he got an ODI hundred. ODI hundred against Kirtley and Co. I think that's even more astonishing. But I mean, it's quite nicely done. It's sort of it's sort of painted over the over the arch in the window, because because obviously it's not. It's a pretty rare feat to get a get a hundred or a or a five. In, a, in, in an ODI so they're not going to be presumably they going to be inundated yeah. with them there so aren't that many ODIs played at Lords year on year that's there, also true so, so but it's a, I think it's a, it's a really nice touch it's nicely done I think it's a, it, it, it's it's a nod to the changing dynamics in the sport both uh, white ball and, and women's so yeah. Yeah, I think well, it's, it's you, well worth, well worth if you're gonna, if you're going to recognise um, achievements at the ground then you have to recognise all of them right Um quite so and it's it's March which means county cricket is emerging from its winter slumber <laughs> ready to hum soothing notes through the next six months that is of course until anyone mentions the hundred <laughs> when there might be an abrupt crash of the percussion <laughs> George has already mentioned it uh, unbidden earlier <laughs> um, but um, Daryl Mitchell and the PCA the latest to chip in on its progress Miller yeah, I mean they're, they're, they're trying to change their tune a bit, aren't they? They're trying, trying to trying to come because obviously Mitchell played in the in the, the practice games at, at Trent Bridge uh, last season, and uh, he was vaguely impressed. But you know the the PCA were, were pretty nonplussed with with how it was all laid out in the in the original planning, and you know we're still we're still awaiting a fair degree of the working here. Um, yeah. mm. oh, let's let's just cross our fingers and hope it all happens nicely. It's Sorry, bit, uh, it is a bit like Brexit, really, isn't it? <laughs> we, 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 we are we are on a on a road to somewhere. We've just got to just ride ride the gravy train. Don't know where, that. how. <laughs> well, if it's or Brexit, why, I, I guess Surrey are the are the Lib Dems, are they? You know, the, the sort of arch Remainers. They're, they're on the naughty <laughs> step for trying more to oppose than the Lib Dems. I would, I would argue. Um, <laughs> Not hard, I guess. No, but not, not <laughs> difficult, but you know, it was worth putting it out there. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the, I think there's a still a host there's ground going though, to be a presentation as as to yeah. um, to the sort of to committees and whatever in the next couple of weeks from the ECB to try and assuage any um, uh, any fears. But I, I, it's not going to work. I don't think. I think the, the sort of the, the membership are 100 percent against it, and um, you know, it's a members' club. Uh, a very successful one <laughs> um, that, that holds quite a bit of uh, holds quite a bit of sway. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, they're going. I think basically, though, moving away from from the Surrey angle on it, I still think that the the, the ECB are going to have have got a hell of a lot of work to do to kind of to to convince people, or even convince themselves that what they, that they know what they're doing. I saw the the interviews with Tom Harrison. Um, that Nick Knight did when he was out there in the Caribbean, and I was kind of I was waiting for him to, to kind of to say something that made some sense or that, that <laughs> had some detail that had some some flesh on it, and there was nothing. Yeah. Um, so your Brexit analogy is a pretty good one. Well, tr- the trouble is, the trouble is that throughout all of this, and you know, we, we reached a point, and this is one thing that, that that Mitchell did say that that we've reached this point where we've got to make a success of it, a bit like Brexit. <laughs> you know, <we've>, <laughs> this is this is where it's headed. We have no option but to but to make mm. a success of it because if it doesn't work, we're all doomed. But the 
problem the ECB have had throughout all of this is they've come from come into the whole process from such an apologetic standpoint, so they're apologising for cricket. And Jonathan Liu made, made the point in a, in a column in The Independent the other day that in the space of 24 hours, we had extraordinary T20 involving Glenn Maxwell teeing off against India. We had the Grenada mm. ODI, and then we had Tammy Mickbell going nuts in, a, in, a, in, in New Zealand. I mean, all three Followed formats... Followed by Jeet Ravel, Tom all, Latham exactly, and Kay all Williamson. Three, all three <laughs> formats within 24 hours of each other, excelling. And and what, what's why why do you need to why do you need to apologise for that? It's been it's been glorious, mm. and and each format that exists has its moments um, when it is sublime, and, and maybe maybe that in itself is proof that the hundred could ultimately be sublime because it's still cricket fundamentally, and cricket is a is a bloody good game. But it does seem like a really weird starting point as to say sorry. Um, we're not sure we're not, really not, sure, not sure we like this sport, but here's here's a version you might like. Yeah, that's that 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 is the thing that's really just no one has quite nailed that that conundrum yet. Yeah, the other side to it, it's all very well the sort of players and PCA sort of getting behind. I'm hearing lot, you know, always hearing positive noises from the from the players and people who might not necessarily not be involved in it. You know, the coaches and what everyone's trying to to to, to put a positive spin on what's coming. You know, the, the, I'm pretty sure I've been down this road before, but the comparisons with um, you know the resistance to T20 when it first started keep keep coming up, and I keep saying in reply to that, T20 was kind of half the length of the, of the next longest um, format, the 40 over game. It was radical. Taking 2.4 overs off and making people bowl 10, <laughs> 10 balls on the spin is not radical. It's just messing around. It's just it's just it's playing. confusing more than anything. It's confusing <laughs> and it's playing around with the game. So I don't I don't buy that as an argument. Um, but the, perhaps the most important thing is forget the players and what they say. And you know they're being paid for goodness sake. They're, gonna, they're not going to turn around and say, "Well, this is a disgrace. I don't want. I'm not doing this anymore." And then not <laughs> get a contract. I mean, that would be silly, wouldn't it? But it's it's the people you're you're punting it to. Um, if you can't convince them that it's something that they that they're going to want to part with their hard-earned cash for to turn up and go and watch and support, if you can't convince them that it's going to be a, a better and more entertaining version of a game that they hitherto might not have ever bothered watching before. If you can't convince them, then you're convincing nobody. They're the only people that matter in this. Because let's face it, this is this format is not for the benefit of the people playing it. It's for the benefit of the people watching it and the people who are spending money um, either to buy their tickets or the or the, the companies that are spending money to put it on the television. They are the people you need to convince. And at the moment, they're not doing that. Well, hundreds and thousands of reasons to stay tuned <laughs> over the next 12 months or so. Um, the clocks are about to go forward and um, England will be hoping it's back to the future for the one-day team as soon as the English summer rolls around. We will, of course, be around uh, to preview all that. But for now, Butch and Miller are firing up their hoverboards. My thanks mm. to them and to you for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNTrickInfo.com. Mm.